Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Cars Unfiltered podcast. This is Season 2, Episode 5, and today we have something special and a little bit different than our normal kind of uh, kind of group that we usually do. Um, but we do have myself, Tom, and we have Adam. Howdy. And we have Mike. Yep. How's it going, guys? And we have a special guest today, Sean Dietrich, who works at Ford um, in the underbody front structure group, I guess. Right. Correct. <laughs> All right. Cool. Cool. So, so Sean is going to be kind of hanging out with us today, and uh, we're also going to ask him some questions uh, after our new segment here. And yeah. So, um, the first thing that I saw that I thought was kind of interesting today was uh, so I mean, actually, Adam, I think today, and I, I did too. I just watched the uh, the latest Grand Tour episode. I did as well this morning while I was sitting down oh my, my coffee. <laughs> that was that was totally unprompted. We all watched it at the same time today. That's cool. Oh geez, um, <laughs> I just watched the Jack. <laughs> did you? Yeah. Oh yeah, I like that one. I like I like how they are ending everything on a great disappointment, and how those vehicles were not road legal at all. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty cool. It must be nice to have a, a Jeff Bezos kind of budget. Yeah, I wish. Yeah. What's what's um, our budget? Yeah. Tom? Uh, we our budget is about negative three thousand dollars. <laughs> that's, yeah, that's before the Alcan. I think I think my budget's negative uh, like ten grand at this point. That, that truck's costing me money. Yeah. Yep. Uh, I, man, I don't want to get into that. The market's been so down the last couple of days. Right, let's, let's not get into that. Let's, yeah, that's a whole other show. Let's, let's um, talk about the hosts. Oh, yes, yeah, so for Top Gear. Yep. So so apparently um, it's not just Richard Hammond that lights cars on fire, but apparently uh, Chris Harris is capable of that as well. Um, there's some news that came out about um, basically on Top Gear, they were at uh, Monte Carlo's, it uh, looks like a hill climb, and they caught a an alpine, um, a fifty thousand pound, not like weight, but like British pounds, um, alpine car on fire. And apparently, Chris Harris and Eddie Jordan um, were able to get out without injury. But then the car spontaneously uh, caught on fire and burned pretty much down to. It looks like the wheels. There's no rubber on the wheels. <laughs> In the last picture, that yeah. Look, that looking at that picture, it's good that they got out because, man, that's some pretty serious carnage. Yeah, and I, yeah, I mean, I don't think that's a great, uh, you know, a great advertisement for that that well, particular car. Well, so. I mean, these days, what is probably carbon fiber based, isn't it? So uh, the stuff just kind of melts. Uh, <laughs> I think Tom's talking about the spontaneously combusting part. <laughs> oh, well, yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, that says um, mechanic special uh, needs new tires. Ran last time it was driven. <laughs> Previous yeah. owner was a smoker. <laughs> <laughs> Don't forget, no low ballers. I know what I got. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, uh, um, so yeah, so that, <laughs> we should just make that ad and put it on Craigslist. <laughs> Free publicity. Um, so and the other thing is, so uh, I'm trying to think of all the people that I've seen do this. So Salamandrin, um, Demiro, Doug Demiro, and I think um, I'm guessing the Vehicle Virgins Parker kid. 
I'm not sure. I can't remember if he did it or not. But everybody's been re- reviewing the new Navigator, uh, the new Lincoln Navigator, and it looks pretty cool. Um, there's a few things I noticed in the reviews that I thought were kind of interesting. The uh, the like furthest back set of seats. Oh. That, that was that, that was dog. That was dog. Oh. Uh, <laughs> what you heard? Oh, okay. It sounded something expensive broke or something. No, no, um, that's just a, uh, this is our chain start today. <laughs> okay, okay, yeah. Okay, cool. Because uh, if you put that in the podcast, we'll have to start every podcast with that. <laughs> but yeah, so there you go. See, um, but everybody seemed to really like the new navigator. And uh, I, I think it looks really cool. I kind of like how they're doing the themes and stuff. It does give it kind of a, you know, higher end feeling. Um, but yeah, like the the section towards the the rear of the navigator, kind of like where the person in the very back would like have a cup holder and an armrest on the side. I swear, I've that that has looked the same for the last like twenty years. Yeah, yeah probably. Like, yeah, like that curved piece of plastic that like maybe there's like a different material like covering it or something, but I swear I've seen that shape in like you know, a 1980s suburban. I think, before. I think once you've perfected the design, you don't need to change it, right? Yeah, well, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. No, cha- no changes ever. I think that's sometimes I wonder if that's Ford's mantra, but I don't know, that might be the only uh only part on that navigator that maybe didn't change. Yeah. I mean, that was a intensive all new launch it's true actually that that vehicle's all all changed a lot and sean could actually tell us a little bit about that because he was there working at uh kansas city Uh, kentucky truck plant kentucky truck yeah oh cool yeah yeah so that's uh those those are incredible vehicles um everything from the powertrain to the nvh you know the noise vibration harshness uh an incredible performance um we spent a lot of time working on fine-tuning the details on that, everything from fit and finish to just how uh, the customer would experience the vehicle. But um, they have an all-new uh, aluminum body, as you probably know, uh, which which saved weight on both vehicles. Um, the Lincoln, they actually reinvested a lot of weight savings in the interior, which you can tell with their 30-way seats and all, all the um, screens. Wait, so, so that's got the same seats as what you get in the uh, Continental? Okay, yeah. that's all right. Oh man, right. the seats the seats look amazing. I have not sat in one yet, but they they look incredible. They they are. So I took the I'm not a I don't get to drive the vehicles off and being a body engineer, but I did take one for a weekend and uh, I did a 12 hour trip um, up from Louisville to the Detroit area across the state towards Grand Rapids and back and. I at not one point in the whole trip was I like my back hurting or my legs uncomfortable, which has never happened. That's impressive. So all you, all your hard work is being realized here in the shortage of vehicles is what you're telling me. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> no, I need more kind of interior, and I love I compliment what those guys did. Cool. Yeah. So this is a question that somebody purchased. So this is like one of the first Lincolns that's like can be outfitted to be over 100k, um, and. So this is a question that nobody buying this vehicle is going to want to know. But on your trip, <laughs> it has the same same engine as the new Raptor, right? Correct. Very similar. So what kind of gas mileage were you getting? Um, if I remember right, I was getting about, I think, 23, 24 highway in normal mode. And on the way back, oh. I found out there was an eco mode in there. So I kicked that on, and I was getting a little bit above 24 most of the way back. That's impressive oh, wow. for a vehicle that yeah. size. Yeah, it was funny. I was using an Explorer for the... Uh, for a company car while I was down there, and I was getting better mileage in the Navigator. That's, that's impressive. 
Um, wow. Yeah. But a mode that awesome. uh, is in there that you probably anyone who drives it should, should try is the excite mode. So that's like the Raptor version basically, you put that thing on and it just pours gas in that engine and oh, wow. it kicks off. It's like a rocket ship for, you know, being a truck. Yeah. Right. So it, that's a really impressive mode. Does it have, um, does it have anything to like open up the exhaust a little bit in that mode or can you hear it? The, you know, can you hear it at all? Yeah, you can hear it more, but it's more through the, uh, electronic sound enhancement. There's no, um, exhaust hardware that would give you an additional noise, but it, it, okay, it works pretty good though for being, it sounds good for being electronic. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. I'm like, uh, Mike and I have talked about this for probably like four years now, but it's good to see, Lincoln finally like making things like in this kind of like higher echelon, which is where I think we all think Lincoln should be. Um, and yeah, so this, this article on CNBC was basically saying that um, the title is Ford is selling $90,000 Lincoln SUVs faster than it can make them. Um, and that's basically what they're saying is that they think that the navigator is cutting into, you know, um, the Escalade and like the, what is it? The Denali or whatever, the higher end GMC and, like Chevy SUVs. Um, so that's, that's pretty cool. Like I don't, that is kind of different than things have been for Lincoln for a long time. So yeah, absolutely. There's, keep going. there's some, uh, there's probably a little bit of pent up demand I'd say just from um, us stopping production in uh, July and then not, not selling any to the public till December. So um, there's probably some of that. I'd like to see if it continues throughout the next year. It is an incredible SUV and I'm sure if anyone who's driving a, uh, Chevy Escalade or a you know, GMC gets in one, they'll be a little impressed. So, yeah, I mean, I'd be curious to see how they stack up against like the Range Rover, um, just because like overall like features and things, um, it seems like you know, and and the price point too, it could be that could be interesting as well. One thing that I thought was really interesting, looking over some of the articles on that link and uh, on the Navigator sales is that the reserve and black label trim levels are selling much better than expected as well. I think that's pretty cool because I, I always thought the Lincoln black label program was awesome. That was uh, one thing I would have liked to get into if I'd stayed, uh, you know, selling for Ford and Lincoln. Yeah, it, it is interesting to see that pick up a little bit because it's been in the works or in the uh, in the system, I guess, for a while now, right? But you don't hear much about uh the black label sales. So to see the navigator selling for the vast majority uh, at the highest trim level is that's fairly impressive. It means that somewhere along the lines, those marketing guys actually got something right, <laughs> which I don't give much credit to the marketing guys most of the time. Right. But they got this one, right. So I'll give it to them. Yeah. And a fun stat I heard last week um, about the navigator uh, and expedition sales is the average days on the dealer lot is only 11. That's impressive. Wow. So wow. when you were saying earlier, they can't build them fast enough. It's it's about right. Yeah, they really can't build them fast enough. Awesome, cool. Yeah. Um, well, you guys want to move into? We can kind of grill Sean on some questions here. Yeah, let's do it. All right, cool. So, uh, one of the things we're pretty interested in talking to you about is the GT. Um, but we're also interested in kind of some of the other stuff that you've done. Can you uh, kind of tell us what you do and a little bit of your background? Yeah, so I, um, I'm a mechanical engineer. I uh, went to University of Illinois. Um, I'm an alumni from there, just like uh, Mike is. So uh, that's how we met. But we, um, 
I started working at Ford as a uh, integration engineer, like I mentioned earlier, uh, and I started right away into um, the F-150 launch. My uh, manager, right when I started, said, hey, you know, you'll learn more than anything else doing this first. So he put me right on the launch, and um, we launched the first uh, aluminum F-150. Um, from there, we uh, I've done a couple different things uh, during rotations as a uh, Ford College graduate. Um, when I started, I did some upper body structure design for the Lincoln Navigator uh, and the Ford Expedition. I did uh, some fascia and grill work for the Expedition um, with some uh, I was kind of helping some engineers there with that and then um, had the opportunity to do a little advanced product marketing rotation and then a vehicle engineering rotation working on the uh, current Mustang the 2018's exhaust which we've seen a lot of articles on so it's pretty cool to have taken apart and helping work with uh, some of the guys to tune the valves relative to the throttle and the RPM and the gear and the modes and all that stuff. And um, then after I was, you know, I was just about ready to go back to, you know, my home group working on integration and my manager called me and as he says to many people before he gives them a uh, uh, assignment, he says, I have a great opportunity for you. <laughs> Famous last words. I said, okay. He goes, could you, uh, could you move to Canada in two weeks? I, oh, okay. And so, uh, I said, you know, let me, uh, he's like, I'm going to give you a call back in a couple hours. Let me know what you say. I said, okay. Um, so I knew immediately I said, you don't say no to working on the Ford GT, you know, and I don't matter who you are. And for me, it was a, a little bit of a right place, right time type of thing where they needed somebody, they needed them now. And I wasn't really, um, super committed to a project. So, um, Fortunately, after it, I wasn't top on the list, but I, the first person didn't want to go, so it worked out okay. <laughs> um, Sometimes second place is just as good. Yeah. So I, uh, I, I obviously said yes to that, and then um, shortly after, I called Mike. I said, hey, Mike, uh, would you mind coming over for uh, a few nights to help me finish sanding and painting this Jeep? Because <laughs> i got to move to Canada. The, the infamous Jeep. So uh, we... We, uh, Mike came over and helped to finish that thing up, and then we were able to sell it, which is good. Um, so I moved up to Canada and, and started working up there. Uh, we were working with Multimatic. They did the development for the race car, um, which won Le Mans for the first time uh, on its first try, which has never been done in all of uh, history of that race as a team wow. fielded a car in the first year and won. Um, and then while they were doing that and winning that race, they were also trying to develop um, – with their engineering team with Ford Performance to develop a uh, the production car, which started as a very simple, like, we're just going to put a couple interiors in it, a couple paint colors, and that's it. And uh, our, as our marketing group and our studio group tend to do, they got a little hold of the uh, um, passion for the vehicle and started adding options and uh, more options and more options and more options and uh, more paint colors, more paint schemes, custom paint, all this stuff. And so... Um, that bogged down the team a little bit, but I went up there and we started working. And um, when we started, we had a long way to go to a production car um, from where we were. And uh, I'd say, you know, when we got there, some of the early production cars we had um, were like borderline race car, you know, wired together. Not all the computers were working right. So they had stuff, you know, jumper lines and they had, some of the bodies weren't, you know, obviously weren't painted. Some of the green ones everyone's seen rolling around, a lot of those ones. Um, and I'm supposed to come and work on fit and finish 
and uh, yeah, yeah, what what fit? What fit? What yeah. finish? <laughs> and a funny story: um, the plant manager and I have a pretty good relationship uh, now. But they called me and said, "You know, you, you got to work on all you know the stuff. You make this a production car." And so the first thing I did, you know, instinctually was get out my margin blades and flushness blades and go start measuring the bodies. <laughs> and uh, so I did that, and then I called the plant manager um, who I was supposed to be working with for body fits and said, "Hey, you know, this is really bad." there's, you know, this is, this is terrible. And I sent him all the data I took and, um, and we had a little disagreement and, uh, <laughs> he was a little frustrated with me, but, um, eventually worked through it, but he, you know, he sent me back the, uh, competitive data for the Ferrari 458 special and the, um, McLaren, uh, wait, we, we benchmarked against the McLaren. Yeah. The 670. That's LT, impressive. That's impressive. Yeah. Okay. And we did fast oh, okay. lap times in both of those cars and the, the, the laps that they're the tracks they took all three on. We um, I think the McLaren we got uh, somebody bought and then we borrowed from them. And then the uh, the four fifty eight multimatic bought and we benchmarked that. So um so yeah, it was a, a little disagreement there in the fit and finish, and then um, he sent me the competitive data and it you know, our vehicle as it sat was the same as the Ferrari and the uh, McLaren for fit. I mean, when you get these whole carbon fiber vehicles and you do, you know, you're building them pretty slow, you think you'd be able to fit them all right, get tight gaps and margins, but it's pretty tough to do. Um, and we weren't really at that point. But by the end of the uh, the end of the launch, by the time we gave those first vehicles, uh, ran the first vehicles out of the plant, we were um, really, really good. We had a few door fits still, and then those got cleaned up within two weeks. So. Yeah, that, that, so that's something I'm particularly curious on, being, you know, a, a car rebuilder of sorts. Um, if it's steel, right, or even aluminum, especially with with something like the Ford GT, right, where it's an expensive vehicle, um, and you, you have the opportunity to rework every one if you need to. If it was a steel or aluminum car, if the door gaps didn't fit just right or whatever. You could always add a beta weld to the door and make, you know, beef it up just a little bit and then grind it back down and blend it in so that, so that it fits just how you want it to. Right. It's just kind of, it's something you can do on a, on a classic metal bodied car, but on a carbon fiber car, you can't do that. Yeah. There's, um, so the way that we, we did it and I don't know, um, if this is really super proprietary or not, but, um, the way that the body, body team did it, and they were led by uh, Mike Gooch. He's a really, um, really competent body guy, and he's he's been doing all kinds of machine work and race cars for years. But um, the way they did it when we started was they'd bring in the bodies, all the carbon fiber, um, and then they would fit everything. Uh, and they had different jigs where they set, you know, you set the roof on the vehicle, you set um, the doors to the uh, quarters, and they basically mount everything up to these nominal um, planes and then they'd take the body parts out and, you know, and they'd get primed painted or they get primed and they bring them back in, they gap and flush them with, uh, grinders where they needed. And so there's some room to, you know, work things out if they needed to be worked out. Um, but one thing we learned pretty quick, uh, is, and something we, we account for pretty normally in our vehicles is the, uh, weight of what goes in the doors, um, the seal pressure, the latches, all that stuff. Yeah, right. Sure. So, um, we had to we had to kind of change the way we were doing it to where we gave the guys in the body shop a set of seals, uh, you know, latches, strikers, all that stuff, to where they could um, 
basically fit with everything in the system on with weighted doors to get everything to come out right. Because we'd build the whole vehicle, paint it, everything, and they put all the trim on in the line. The doors would be, you know, tilted in the Sure, they're hanging a little. Yeah, right. Yeah, that was something that we had, uh, we worked through. But, um, I mean, it's a world-class vehicle for fit and finish now. And there's, you know, there's little tiny character lines that you can hardly see in some parts of the hood and in the uh, um, fascia that if uh, if the paint and body team wasn't looking out for them, they could easily just blend them off. So there's they take a lot of care and detail into making that thing fit right. So, Tom, if you want to buy one, you know that it's well made. <laughs> I do want to buy one. <laughs> However, if the if the podcast budget trajectory continues in the same direction, it's probably not going to happen. Um. <laughs> yeah, that's, we're hoping that this is going to increase. All right, we could we could tag this one with Ford GT. So you know we're gonna we're gonna pander to our listeners a little bit. Um, I, I tag everything with Ford GT. Yeah, yeah, you probably do. To be honest, <laughs> I'd settle for an old one. I'd settle for an old one for sale. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, so something that a, a lot of people that are uh, that have been following, I guess, the Ford GT saga uh, that they know is that at this point, uh, it's fairly it's fairly public knowledge that Raj Nair had a, a separate room somewhere in the product design center, right, set aside to develop the, the new Ford GT, and it had. Uh, a keyed access, right? Rather than, you know, key card is for people that aren't familiar, Ford uses a kind of a standard, um, magnetic badge access for most of the buildings. It's it's RFID, Mike. Is it, it, I don't think it's RFID for Ford. Let's be honest. (laughs) It's it's probably still magnetic, but if they, if they use magnets, then we can just, everybody can get in with a magnet. You probably could. That's why they use keys, I guess on this room, right? Yeah. So, so yeah, so so Rajner had a special room set aside that had legit keys made because that way people couldn't get into it, right? Um, so just out of wanting to ask this question, did you have access to that room? Uh, no, I never actually went into that room. I was, um, like I mentioned, I came on pretty late in the program right when we were building um, the first round of um, production project cars. So I was working um, with the Roush team and the Ford Performance team uh, and, you know, I can't even give uh, due credit to all the people who took part from the beginning of the program to make the car what it is. Because there's there's some people I know, uh, you know, like Jim Dunham's again, a name most people in Ford know as a he's been around for forever. He went to the last GT. He's done a restoration of an original one um, for a museum. And this guy just lives and breathes cars. And um, I know what he, he did before I joined the program was um, – he got that thing to where it was. And um, there's a lot of people like that who, who, you know, from the artists to the engineers that kind of poured their heart and soul into this car over the last few years, working days, nights, weekends, you know, testing at night to get this thing uh, to production, you know, in, in time to, to maintain the uh, Le Mans trophy. I'm, well, for Ford's sake, I'm glad that we were able to maintain that trophy, to be honest with you. That would have been a significant embarrassment if we couldn't make that happen. Yeah, take that, Ferrari. <laughs> yeah. I mean, as there are in most launches, there's a lot of late nights, but we had some pretty consistent, you know, 7 a.m. to 2 a.m. days over and over and over again, getting just some of the – right before we got to production cars, getting the first ones out, it was – we were really pushing ourselves. Are, are you aware of any like 
feedback from so so if I remember right, like like Ford came in and basically like wiped out Ferrari. Um, was it in sixty seven? Uh, sixty nine, I think, was the first. They they lost like three or four years in a row. I think they won in sixty nine. I think it, I want oh, okay, to say yeah. it was sixty four or sixty five. They won. I could be wrong. Oh, the first. Yeah, the first one. I can't remember. Um, but yeah, so like, and now it seems like you know every what ten years or so, Ford comes I, in. I, I want to say that uh, uh, from I'm going to go to Wikipedia because Wikipedia. Uh, the Ford, G- Ford the Ford GT40 was originally produced to win long distance sports car race against Ferrari, uh, who won. So Ferrari won from sixty to sixty five. So Ford started winning in sixty eight, sixty nine. Yeah. Okay. So just yep. clarification: sixty eight, sixty nine. So Mike, you're saying the guy that actually worked on the car knows the stats. I am saying that. that. I am willing to concede that uh-huh. point. Uh-huh. I just okay. wanted to confirm. All right. All right. <laughs> All right. Um, so. <laughs> uh, so I, I don't know. I just think it's funny because like, you know, Ford worked really hard back then to, you know, basically take the trophy away from Ferrari. And now it seems like, you know, the last 20, 25 years, Ford comes in every 10 years and just like lamb base Ferrari. Like, you know, like Ford doesn't even do it consecutively. And if I, as far as I know, like Ferrari does it almost every, every, every series. Um, but yeah, I was just curious, like I, I haven't heard any feedback from Ferrari, you know, like, I don't know. It, just, it seems like Ford just comes in so kind of like nonchalant, like, oh, yeah, you guys are still doing this. Oh, yeah, well, try this car. We'll see how it does, you know, and then they win. Yeah, I mean, uh, just I haven't heard anything feedback-wise from Ferrari either. But, um, I mean, just last weekend, or last weekend, I think it was, we did the Daytona 24-hour at Rolex, and we, you know, took one and two in that, um, yep. which is, you know, we're running a three-year-old car now and still uh, – still winning races so yeah, that's that's always a good thing to hear yeah that's awesome but you, you have to give credit where credit's due right ford has a massive engineering uh i i guess uh where where i don't know i don't know how to to say it. There's, there's massive engineering resources at ford right like it's a huge engineering department uh, so i'd be kind of disappointed if we decided to do this and we couldn't pull off a win right a, we have the skills there, like the people there, et cetera, et cetera. Um, I feel like it'd be embarrassment if we couldn't make it work. Yeah. I just, I just think it's funny because, you know, like Ford, like I said, it seems like every 10 years, you know, like in, you know, for Ferrari McLaren or, you know, some of those guys, like they're out there all the time. Like their focus really is largely on racing. Um, And yeah, I don't know. It's just kind of interesting that, you know, Ford has had, such um the the ratio of success is so high yeah i think um interesting you know a little side point to probably why it's intermittent for ford is um uh it's racing is expensive and uh you probably heard this saying you know many times before but i'm gonna credit my friend jay for saying it to me for the first time was uh you know how to make a small fortune racing Start with a large fortune. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I actually, I mean that's accurate. So that kind of correlates, I think, to a lot of times. You know, when Ford's racing and winning races, they're putting the money in and they uh, are investing in it. Versus the other times where we're not racing in series and things like that is we, you know, cutting back on spending for some reason or another. Which is always right. happening. So I, something that I'm curious about because I'm currently driving a '98 F150, which is on its last legs. Um, from the Ford GT to 
to Mike's track. No, hey, we're we're still on the Ford GT. Oh, uh, okay. Well, but, all right. but I'm curious because I'm in the market for a new truck, right? And we can get essentially the same engine in a truck and in a new F-150 as what goes into the Ford GT, right? If I buy a, a new truck with the 3.5 with twin turbos, can I tune it to produce the same 650 horse? Um, you probably could tune it to produce the same 650 horse, but it might break. So the the difference between the truck engine and the F-150 base is, um, you know, to what we're using in the uh, GT is I think about 60% uh, component difference. That's a lot. I think that's a lot for an engine. Yeah. 60% difference is a lot. You know, you're putting out almost double, you know, one and a half yeah, right. what that car, the engine's meant to do. So right. you need better pistons, better, um, skirts, you need better oil filters, you need, you know, everything. Uh, and they have, you know, they have a cool feature on there too. Um, the anti-lag, which the Raptor I think also has, um, where it keeps gas going through, uh, your, and keeps your turbo spooled while you're, um, you know, if you're in track mode while you're off the, um, while you're braking in, in the corners and stuff like that. And when you're shifting, so, and it's actually just shifting if I remember right. Again, body engineer talking about vehicle engineering, right. powertrain stuff, but, uh, the anti-lag is pretty cool with that because you never really lose your turbo power. Like everyone, you know, with turbo lag is always worried about. Right. So, so you know what? Something actually I realized today, um, watching the grand tour episode because I was, I was a little bit disappointed with the Ford GT having uh, a V6 and also like the new Raptor having a V6, you know, the numbers are great. Right. Um, but I was like, man, I feel like these should be V8 cars. But then I realized today that this is, this is not like the first super hot V6. Do you ever feed your dog, Mike? That's like, Sean's dog actually. Oh, is it? It sounded like Daisy. She's hanging out with us down here because Daisy's upstairs and new dogs versus you know, true. They're kind of yeah. yeah. So, so I was, Sean's dog I was is, say, is a little more mature and kind of chill, but <laughs> right now she's kind of whining because she knows Daisy's upstairs. Yeah, no, I was, I was just, I was just thinking, like, man, we're gonna have Peta calling. We have Daisy, <laughs> and people are gonna like, people are gonna be looking for, uh, looking for your head, Mike. Um, yeah, tell me about it. <laughs> Daisy is fine, just so everybody knows, and and uh, Sean's dog is fine too. Um, so yeah, but the the XJ two twenty actually is a um, a turboed V six as well. So and that's from you know nineteen ninety two ish, nineteen ninety one, ninety two, um, and that's actually putting out similar horsepower numbers as the as the engine in the GT. So it's just kind of interesting to see to kind of see those. Um, I don't know like that coming back essentially yeah turbo sixes are kind of the uh the new alternative because um i think the cadillac uh atsv has a turbo six they have a three liter turbo six i think uh, the m4's got one um if i remember right or they might have a they just might still be the straight six i'm not 100 sure um the infinity a q50 red or whatever the sedan. Uh, they've got the I mean, six. they're all over the place now. Yeah, it's because you can get the fuel efficiency numbers and get the same power right. uh, when you want it. So they just don't sound as good. It's, they don't. It's true. Yeah. It's it's very tough to make a V six sound good. I have a friend of mine has two of the newer Raptors, and uh, I have a, Wait, an older Raptor. How, how do you have a friend that has two of the new Raptors? What kind of circles well, do you run in, Tom? You him? <laughs> yeah, yeah. They uh, he. <laughs> He's actually—it's the guy that's helping us out with the uh, with the machining on the uh, 
the 35, the Alcan project. So, so what you're telling me is machine shops are fairly lucrative and I should probably open one. I think if, uh, if you're good at it, they are uh-huh. like so many things. Uh, yeah. Like so many things. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, um, yeah, I forgot where I was going so, with that. I don't know, but but speaking of the since time is uh, of the essence, but time's not really of yes, the essence yes. here. But I, I do want to respect Sean's time. Uh, so since you brought up the Alcan 5000, I think it's probably time that we leave the GT and move on to the Alcan 5000 update. Um, but before we do, I do want to give a, a, a plug for careercombo.com, um, which is someplace where you can go to find more info about your passion. And it's essentially your one-stop shop for careers related to what you're interested in. Uh, So that's careercombo.com. Feel free to go check it out. And if you're looking for a new job, I highly recommend uh, checking it out and seeing what's available. And especially with our current uh, trajectory (laughs) of our budget, we should probably be using that. Uh, yeah, yeah, we made. Uh, I don't know that podcast host is uh, in our career paths, Tom. <laughs> you guys would be, I'm sure you'd be able to to uh, add your job to the site uh, as part of their database. I don't know how many hits you'd get, though. <laughs> <laughs> cool, awesome. Uh, yeah, so do you want to give us uh, an Alcan five thousand update? Yeah, I mean it's it's almost as uh, valid as you giving an update because. Tom was able to get the aforementioned machine shop that the owner has two Raptors uh, to do three, but that's Uh, another side. Anyway, uh, uh, that's excessive. He's paying your paycheck. Mike. That's more than my paycheck. Let's put it that way. (laughs) Uh, So Tom was able to get my rear axle uh, housings over there and we got the bearing surfaces turned down and the new repair sleeves pressed on, I believe, Tom. Yes. Yep. Yep. Yeah, they're ready to roll, man. And there is some video of that on – do we have any of that on the website? Uh, not – actually, we can put it in a blog post, but it was on a story on Instagram, so that's probably gone by now. Okay. Well, we should have an update coming around soon on YouTube. Check that out. It's kind of interesting to watch. Um and I have actually just moved the frame of the truck out into the snow so I could clean my garage. And I'm going to bring that in for powder coating and, uh, well, for sandblasting and powder coating this week. I got a bunch of other parts like the axle and the wishbone back. Um, and, yeah, we're, we're moving on pace very, very quickly here. So I think that this, this trip to Alaska might actually happen. <laughs> Sweet. So is the challenge for the truck to get to Alaska or so, is it a course in Alaska? Yeah, so, so – Sean Sean hasn't heard about this before, uh, and to refresh our listeners' uh, minds, I guess, so Tom and I entered into uh, a 5,000-mile road rally from essentially Seattle to Fairbanks with some offshoots into the Arctic Circle, and we originally entered in with a 69 Torino that I had that was rebuilt, and uh, then I sold that. And so the fallback vehicle was this 35 Ford pickup that I had just kind of sitting around. So it has since become our project for the Alcan 5000 Road Rally. So, 35 Ford pickup, huh? Yep. And we're going to drive it from here to, from here in Detroit to Seattle. And then we're going to drive it another 5,000 miles for this road rally. <laughs> and then we're going to drive it back to Detroit. We may or may not be friends when we're done. Yeah. Well, it's yeah. Thing, yeah. They, don't, they let you register just for anything in Detroit. So. Yeah. Uh, registered, not registered, it doesn't matter right now. <laughs> It's in pieces. It's in pieces. It doesn't need to be registered for anything. True. Yep. Yep. And I think too, you know, 
it went from a 5,000 mile rally to a 12,000 mile survival game of survival, I think is about where we're at. <laughs> the plus so, side is we're going to, so Tom and I have recently decided that we're going to buy a lot of beef jerky for this trip. Yes. So I'm going to put some extra storage under the seat for our beef jerky habit and also our coffee habit. Those are like, honestly, I'm pretty sure like we will definitely probably won't be healthy by the time we get back, but we no, can survive. No, 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 we will survive for sure, but we probably will not be healthy. Yeah. Yep. So 12,000 miles is a, is a pretty long way. Over Christmas, I went to, uh, I drove from Detroit to I, I feel like that's an understatement. <laughs> and that was pretty rough. And that wasn't an Explorer with adaptive cruise control. Ooh. That was a rental car. But, yeah. I mean. I don't have cruise in this truck. No, you should add it. I Yeah. It's, it's, it's also going to have a flathead and a three-speed transmission. So, Mike, listen, listen to the man that's, that's just, like, that sounds smart. Do that. <laughs> I was going to say, I think I just did 4,200 miles or something like that in that trip. It's, it's going to be a trip. Yeah, it's going to be long. Yeah, I, I'm fine next time I go to Arizona. I don't blame you. Next time I go to Alaska, outside of this trip, I'm probably going to fly there too. And Mike, I just want you to know, like a perfectly weighted rock does not work for cruise control. That is not an answer. That's not a solution. Just, uh, just well, there, goes, there goes that idea. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> and and on that, on that uh Disappoint. Oh, we can't. We can't, we can't oh, use no, that. I was uh, going to uh, use that, but I can't use that terrible disappointment. <laughs> yeah, I know. So, so. On the, and on that factual piece of information. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thanks. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in. Check out carsunfiltered.com and check out search Cars Unfiltered on YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. And uh, if you feel so inclined, leave us a review on iTunes and, and whatever you listen to stuff on the Android devices and also we want to thank sean for his time and talking with us about a little insider view for the ford gt yeah absolutely yeah, thanks. thanks for having me on guys and again i'm you know i'm just a small part of that story there's so many other people who did uh did a lot more than i did to get that car to where it is so. amazing piece of engineering and it's still i think one of the most best looking vehicles uh in the last couple of years so cool well we'll see you guys next time